Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, bondages will be broken tonight. Yes. People will be set free from past hurts and pains and having problems forgiving people. Mm-hmm. And, Brian, the beautiful thing about it all is they can be set free. And the beautiful thing is that we have some solutions tonight. We're going to talk about some things, but we're also going to give people uh, some type of solutions because the guest that we have, she's been there, she's overcome that, and now you'll see that you can do the same thing because you were created for more than just hurting. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, Greg, you know, as we talked with our guests prior to the show, we talked about the fact that a lot of people that you would never believe um, have gone through those things are going through those things and have gone through those things and some of them are, you know, even after being highly successful and after being, you know, out in the, in the spotlight and in the limelight and, you know, they have money, they have wealth, they have their families and everything else, but the one thing that they lack is that peace, yeah. that solace, you know, and once they've been freed from that, you know, that issue of bondage that they've gone through, you know, they feel so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, our our guest tonight, wow. You know, if you just read her story and, you know, you read her book, wow, it's just... Brian, <laughs> let, let me say this before you bring her in. I, I, I tell you, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful thing that she's doing. She's not only, well, she's not just writing the book just for dollars. She's, that's not why she's doing what she's doing. No. To be hurt in a way like this, and Brian, she did nothing wrong. I don't know her story, but I know she didn't do anything wrong. A lot of women and a lot of little boys, and, and you know, they didn't do anything wrong. But they carry that guilt and that pain as if they did something wrong. They carry that. And that's a heavy burden to carry around. You know, when you didn't do anything wrong and you're innocent and someone violates you, Brian, that's you know this this I tell you what this is going to be a, a powerful and I, I believe an intense show. But you know, I think we have to go there. Yeah. I believe we have to say some things and bring up some things, and it may open some old wounds. It may open up some wounds that probably have never been healed. But I can tell you that those wounds can be healed. There is hope. There is you you have life. You can get past this. So I'm excited about her coming on, and Brian, I tell you, I, I I just love what she's doing, and you have to have a love for doing this. You have to have a love for people, and I'll say this, Brian, she had to suffer. Mm-hmm. She 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 must have suffered to be able to come out and speak so openly about something like this, and Brian, I know it's not easy. No, it's, mm-mm. yeah. You know, just... Just knowing about what she's about to talk about and thinking about, you know, people that I've known personally, very personally, that have gone through that, I know it's not an easy thing to talk about. No. You know, I know it's something that, you know, every time you speak about it, you have to picture yourself in that situation again and relive that whole moment. And Mm -hmm. so it's got to be tough to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But I want to bring our guest on so she can talk about it. Tonight, our very special guest is best-selling author Stephanie L. Jones, and she is the author of the book, The Enemy Between My Legs. Wow. You know, I want to tell you a little bit about her. She's a native of Detroit, Michigan, and she began her corporate career at Charter One Bank, where she played an instrumental role in in leading her team to become the district's number one office but she decided to opt out of the corporate world in favor for an opportunity to pursue her entrepreneurial goals as a freelance publicist. And not in addition to writing this book, 
she decided to fulfill her destiny in helping others by becoming an advocate for individuals suffering from the effects of child sexual abuse. And she shares her story with audiences around the world on how she was able to overcome the effects of over seven years of child sexual abuse, which began at age five. Wow. Like I said, like Greg said, we're going to have a show because this is a very serious topic. And the topic tonight is sexual abuse. Ms. Jones, are you there? I am here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I want you guys to know this this is the very first time that I've ever tears just welled up in my eyes before a show actually began. Just um in hearing you say that I didn't write this book for dollars. You know, so often people ask me, How are your book sales going? And I just I don't even like to answer that question because it's not even about selling a book. Yes. It's about healing. Yes. And I think, uh, Stephanie, that people need to know that there is a solution. You can be set free. There is a solution. And I think um, what a lot of people do is when they don't have the creator in their life, they kind of go out and do a lot of things to try to feel that. And it's just impossible to do it without him. Absolutely. Yes. What would you say to someone that that's of age, that's older, we'll get to the to the kids in a minute, but what would you say to a woman that's going through this, that's older now, that is still battling with this late at night when she can't sleep or when she's alone in the car by herself and this thing keeps popping up? What would you say to her? Exactly what you just said, that you can get over it, but you have to face what happened to you. You can't sweep it under the rug. I have so many people that will email me, and what they'll say, I haven't read your book. One day I will, but I'm not ready to deal with this. If you don't just face it head on and say, okay, this has happened to me, and I am not going to let it keep me in bondage anymore. You'll never be ready because it's so it's so shameful and it hurts so bad and it causes so many side effects and so many long-term effects that if you don't just step out there and say, okay, this is it, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to face this head on. I'm moving on with my life. You'll never be ready. Today is the best day to deal with it. Mm. You know, I was just by listening to your story and reading a little bit about you, I was reminded of a young child who was a friend of my son when he was younger. My son was about maybe a year older than he was. He was the little boy was five, and I can recall his mother had um, they had actually I had invited his family to church. It was a single mother. She had five kids, and I had invited them. And she confided in me and said that her son had been molested by a female neighbor. You know, and he was five years old. And she said it had happened several times, and she didn't find out until her son began to do the same thing to a little boy that had spent the night with him mm-hmm. that the neighbor was doing to him. And they asked him, where did you get that from? And he said, well, you know, such and such does this to me all the time. She said, it's a game, and it's fun. So I wanted to play that game with my little boy. And I say all that to say, you know, do you believe that, well, let me see, how, how can I word this? Because this is tough for me to even talk about. Um, why do you think people prey on you? Well, first let me say this. Uh, males are molested too, so I am so glad that you brought that out. Many, many men are molested, 
And that's something that's not even talked about. When you hear anything about sexual abuse, even when you hear about the Internet predator, it's always the talk of an a, an older man preying on a little girl. But men are molested too, so I'm so glad you brought that out. You know, the word predator when it comes to child sexual abuse is very hard for me to use that word because of what I know. And here is something that most people don't realize about sexual abuse or molestation or whatever word we want to use. Most sexual abuse does not take place at the hands of a pedophile or a child predator. Most sexual abuse occurs within the family, and a lot of that is occurring between children. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Child-on-child sexual abuse is more prevalent than any other form of sexual abuse. I opened my book with a story that I remember right now like it happened to me yesterday, and it happened when I was five years old. I opened my book with a story about being molested by two young boys, two young boys that was in my family, not a not your typical predator, not older men. They were children because children tend to share their experiences with one another. So it's very hard to use that word predator when you're talking about sexual abuse as how I deal with it. I really deal with what's happening right in our own families between brothers and sisters, mothers and their daughters, fathers and their daughters, and I guarantee you, if you ask most sexual abuse victims, do you feel that your brother is a predator or do you feel that your father is a child predator, they'll tell you no. Ninety percent, ninety percent of all sexual assault, whether it's rape, child molestation, whatever it is, takes place at the hands of someone we know, we love, we trust, someone in our family, and we really don't consider them predators. Mm, wow. You know, and I was going to ask you also, are most, and, and I think everybody probably knows the answer is yes, but are most of the, the perpetrators also victims or have been victims at some point? Yes, absolutely. Again, child-on-child sexual abuse is very, very prevalent because children share their experiences with one another. I had a friend reach out to me not long ago, a young lady, and I've been knowing her for quite some time, and she's never told me about being molested. I mean, she was with me through the process of writing my book. She was with me after the process, and then not long ago she reached out to me and said, I was molested by several women in my family. She said, but what's hurting me today is that I went on to molest other girls in my family. So I think about my effect, the effect that I had on them. Yes, many, many sexual abuse victims become sexual abusers, and that's something that's really hard for us to deal with. Not all of them do, but many of them do. Look at the stats for rapists, over 75% of all interview rapists admit to being sexually abused. Mm. We were talking about family, um, and I I think we need to discuss the fact that there are family secrets. And uh, Stephanie, you and I spoke last night, and we talked about this. When a family member molests a child, and the family knows about it, but no one will do anything about it. That child is scarred. It's hard for an adult to process being raped. It is even much, I, I don't even know what words to use when, when, when something like that happened to a little girl or a little boy inside the home where you're supposed to be safe and you're supposed to be loved and held, but not the way that that family member is holding and doing certain things to that child, and now this child is hurting mentally, 
but no one's there to say anything to the little girl or the little boy, but it's okay. It's okay. You'll be okay. Keep keep your mouth shut. This is family. We don't we don't talk we don't discuss these things. And here this man is or whoever that did this goes unpunished, so we think. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when a child goes through something like that, a little kid, what do you what do you how are they processing something like that? How do you think they you know, I know you may not know how they well you do know because it happened to you at five, but how can a child deal with something like that when it's time for her to go to sleep and she knows that this person is going to come in the room or it's happened before and she said something but everybody's, you know, sweeping it under the rug so it continues to happen. What kind of life is that for a child to have to deal with something like that? It's a very interesting life. I know that uh, one of my aunts knew that the females in my family were being molested because I absolutely was not the only one. It seems like everyone was being molested. There are many people who are angry today at their families. Um, I had someone tell me, I'm more angry at my family members for not saving me, for not letting me move in with them than I am at my own father for molesting me. So there are a lot of things that we go through with our families after the fact But I really think it depends on how the abuse starts and how the child feels at that time that really, really plays a major role in how the child reacts and how the child is able to sleep at night. And let me explain what I mean by that. In my case, because the abuse started with children, it was not, it was just something to me that, oh, I just thought children just did. This is just something that just happened. And it and it actually started with, let me not say children because they were teenagers. So by the time adults started molesting me, I can honestly say I was used to it at that point. So I didn't have that type of fear that some children have. And this may sound crazy to someone. They may say, oh, this girl is sick. But here is something that is very true that I am not afraid to say or ashamed to say right now today. I was abused for so long, and it started at such a young age that by it, by the time it started with the adults, I liked the way it felt. I had no, I, I can't really say that I had a problem with it. And I know that because I remember lying down next to one of my uncles because I knew what was going to happen. My body then began to crave that feeling. I knew at a very young age what it felt like to be touched, to be kissed, to be touched between my legs. I knew at a very young age what an orgasm felt like. And so my experience was different from the other child or other children who are they're taken advantage of in a more forceful way. Or, and say, the father comes in or the uncle comes in and puts their hands over their mouth, and, and they, some of them are even penetrated. And I have friends that were penetrated at age six and seven years old and contracted STDs from these individuals and their families. And so that child tends to live in fear, But that was not my case because it started with younger children. It started with young people, so I was more used to it by the time the adults came into play. You know what, Stephanie, I am so glad that you're being transparent and you're saying the things that you're saying because this is not, what you're saying is not something that we hear from someone, you know, that this has happened to. They'll only say so much and they'll stop. Yeah. But the fact that you're saying what you're saying, you 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 are touching and connecting with somebody out there that's listening right now, and they can honestly say, I know what she's talking about. For someone that's never gone through this, they won't understand that. Yes. They won't understand it. Just like you said, they may say that you're crazy, but they don't understand. So I thank you for being transparent enough to open your world up and allow us to come in and to somehow 
it's almost as if we can feel and see what's, what, what happened to you. And that's so important. But I want to say this. Whatever happened to the family members that did this to you? Oh, I still see them. I still hang out with them. I love them. I really do. I've forgiven them, all of them, from the bottom of my heart. With every, it, with everything that's within me, with all of my soul, there is no hate. There is no hurt there. For me, what has helped me the most has been praying for them. I mean, I pray for my family. I pray that whatever happened to them in their lives, whatever hurt, whatever shameful thing, whatever it was, I don't care whatever what, what they were dealing with, whether it was alcohol, drugs, or being molested themselves, and I know many people in my family were molested because a lot of them grew up in homes and in, foster, in the foster care system. So I pray that whatever happened to them, that they're getting better, that they're allowing God to heal them from their own hurt and pain that caused them to hurt me. Regardless of what it, what it was, I don't really care what it was that made them do what they did. I just want them to be healed from it. You know what? Let me say this, Brian. And I know Brian had a question, but Brian, please forgive me. So what you're saying is the ugly thing that happened to you, it wasn't just about Stephanie. It, it, it was about the people that did it to you that really needed the help. It's a, it, it was about this phone call tonight that somebody is listening, that you were chosen for something like this to happen. Yes, it, so it wasn't yeah. about Stephanie. Wow. It definitely wasn't. Rarely is is sexual abuse about the person or that child is pretty or that little girl has a nice body. No, it's not about that at all. It's about something, some type of evil, sickness, disease, abuse, alcohol. It's about something that that person is dealing with, no matter how bad it is, no matter how deep it is. It's something out there, something is going on with that person that they need help. And most people do not get the help that they need. Look at me. I was 27 years old when I, com- when I started to break down completely. 27. At that point, no one knew about this. The only person who knew about it was my husband, and that is because I had I had to tell him because I couldn't be sexually intimate with him anymore. I was struggling emotionally, mentally, physically. And so just think about all of the things that I was dealing with emotionally. And oftentimes, hurt people do what? hurt people. And that's what sexual abuse is about. It's about hurt that people is dealing with that is being inflicted on someone else. As he said when we when he opened up about having a friend and the son began to share his experience with other people, with other children. That's what sexual abuse is about. There's lust, there's alcohol, there's drugs, there's so many things involved with it. But I'm just not convinced that it's ever about the person, the child. Yes, you know, I had a question, and I think you already answered it earlier. It was about um, what is sexual abuse mostly about. And, you know, I've always heard people say it was about control, you know, that person having control over you. But you put it in a different light. You said that that particular person is dealing with something, and the way that they deal with it is that they act out. And it's sort of how when a kid is not happy, they sort of throw a tantrum because it's something that they're upset about, so they make everybody else uncomfortable. You know, tell us, when you were, you know, you said you were 27 when you first really started to deal with it? Yes, I was 27 years old, and 
I was getting married, and right before my wedding is when it really started to just come down heavy on me. And I'll tell you why. It's because at that point, I felt like I wasn't valuable. I felt tainted. I felt nasty. I felt dirty. I felt that if my husband found out about my past lifestyle, then he would not want to be with me. So I was so ashamed about everything that I had did in the past because I'm going to tell you, I honestly, I was a sexually promiscuous teenager and young adult. But I had been taught things about sex from age five years old. So when I became a teenager and young adult, there was no turning back at that point. I had been taught that sex gets you things. And so at 27, everything that I had did over the years from age 13, 14, and going into my 20s, all of that just started coming down on me, and I was just so ashamed. And when it got to the point where I was having anxiety attacks, panic attacks, I couldn't sit in the movies with my husband. I had to constantly be up doing something. I was shopping like crazy. I mean, I was buying clothes every day. I have tons of clothes right now from five years ago that still have price tags on them because I wasn't buying them because I needed them or I wanted them. I was just buying them to make myself look good and feel good on the outside because I was hurting so much on the inside. I was trying to cover up my pain and the shame and embarrassment of my lifestyle with material things. Wow. And at some point, it just all it just came down on me so Heavy. I felt like I was going crazy. I'm talking about depression. I felt like I was losing my mind. And I know that I probably was. And I said, Lord, how did I get here? How did I get to this point in my life? How did it get so bad? I was involved with all types of things that I'm not happy about, but I know that it is well with me today. But the alcohol abuse at a young age, I mean, I was drinking and getting high in the seventh grade. I remember willingly having sex at 13 years old and writing a letter to all of my friends and telling them about it. And that lifestyle, it just it just caught up with me. And I was hurt, and I was depressed, and I had to deal with it. I said, no more, no more. Stephanie, did you ever ask God, why you? Why did you have to go through this? Why were you chosen to go through something like this? <laughs> you know, I have never just asked that question, but... Sometimes when I get overwhelmed in my work that I do today and I feel like I'm not spending enough time in fellowship with God and I feel like I'm losing my strength and I feel bad about that, God always says to me, Stephanie, I chose you because I know I can depend on you. I can depend on you. And I just feel like God knew that I was going to say yes. And going through it, the past, it doesn't even bother me. I don't even think about it. I don't even think about it. I remember when this first started for me. Well, before the ministry even started, there was no book. I wasn't going out and speaking. But right when I knew that, okay, I'm going to help someone else. God gave me a scripture, and he gave me Jude 20 through 23. And verse 23 says, And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire. And I knew 
that at that moment God was telling me, look, I need you to go back and help pull some other folks out of the fire because you're healed. Don't keep that to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. You know what it takes. You help someone else. Mm-hmm. We have someone in the, the chat room uh, that said that they, a couple of their friends went through something like this when they were teens. You know, when they were teenagers? Yes. When they okay. Were teenagers. Uh, I, I think when you tell someone, when you tell someone something like this is happening to you, that's your cry for help. But a lot of people, they keep this thing inside, and they will never, ever reveal it or tell anyone, especially the little boys. And a lot of times they'll act out, they'll do certain things in school, and that's why it's so important that we don't judge our young kids today because you never know what they are going through. Yes, you yes. Just, you, you don't know what they're going through. They may act a certain way because they're dealing with it and they can't process it. They can't process what just happened to them. They're sick and tired of it happening. And no one is at home doing anything to protect them from something like this. And they just act a certain way and we just write them off and throw them out in the street. Oh, this person is just bad. Okay, let's find out what's going on with this kid. Yeah. Take the time to talk with this kid to find out what's going on because something this deep, something this deep, a lot of them will never talk about it. You're so right. That's why I love going back into schools. I love going into high schools, and I do it often. This is so interesting because I'm from Detroit, and I spend a lot of time in the Detroit high schools. And I recently reached out to the city of Detroit, to our government here, and I said to them, I said, you know, I said, I'm always in the high schools, and when I go in, these young ladies, they cry, they run out of the room, you know, they're telling me about what's going on with them. I said, but there's no follow-up for them. I need you all to put something in place because I don't do it just to go tell a story or just to sell a book. I do this so that they don't travel down the same path that I traveled down. So now what are you going to do to help them afterwards, to get them some type of counseling, to have someone there to hold their hands and say, you know, you can heal from this. It's okay. Especially our young men. Especially our young men. They tend to be violent, abusive. Because men feel like they have to man up, especially if they've been abused by another man. And I had a man tell me that recently. He said, a man pushed up on me. And at that point, I felt like, well, there must be something wrong with me. He must think I'm soft. He said, so from that day forward, I felt like I had to be the thug guy. Mm-hmm. the violent one, because I had to prove that I was a man. Wow. You know, and what you, I'm sorry? Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and what you said about not knowing what's going on in someone else's life, I mean, that is so very important that you said that, because one out of three females are molested. One out of three. And it seems like one out of two from the letters and calls I get and just from people stopping me on the streets and everywhere that I go, at church, in the grocery store, everywhere, to say it happened to me. And as many as one out of five males are molested. So we have all of these people who are dealing with this deep, dark secret. And they're dealing with all of the side effects because of it, and they've never told anyone. So we have women who are prostituting, who are dancing in strip clubs. We have women out here who have what we call baby daddies, or no matter what terms we want to give it, we have so many men in prison who are rapists, drug dealers, all this. It's because they were dealing with so much hurt 
and so much pain, and they were dealing with something so deep and so serious at home that now it's just coming out of them, or it's or it has come out of them in their teenage and adult years. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I've been conversing back and forth in the chat room, and one of our chatters says, I think, true, I think that boys are different when they have sex with a older woman, especially one who is attractive and who they like, they are less likely to tell. Yes. But I, in a sense, I disagree. I think sometimes they tell everybody because they're like, hey, look what <laughs> I did. You know, it's like they want to, you know, beat on their chest a little bit, you know, or they may not say anything to just to, to certain people, you know, because they don't want to mess up their relationship, so to speak, you know, and I think, in a sense, I think that's that's just as bad as a male, an older man that's going after a little girl when an older woman goes after a little boy because, you know, and this is just me thinking, uh, I think that that's actually more destructive because men are natural aggressors. Mm-hmm. And so because you've taken this young male and put him into a higher, you know, form of aggression now that he believes that, oh, if I can get with an older woman, these younger women should be easy prey. You know, now you've taken him out of his role and you've elevated him into a role that he's not ready for, you know, and one that he's not necessarily familiar with. So now younger women are have become like, you know, like little small weaklings and they're easy pickings and he becomes, you know, a much more dangerous type of predator, so to speak. Not necessarily saying he's a, he's preying on them, but you know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. I did an interview one day, and after that interview, a man called me and said that he had just got out of prison. He was on the pedophile list, um, on the sexual offender registry, because of abuse that he had did to a young girl. But interestingly, what he said to me was so profound. He said, I never thought of myself as being molested until I heard you on the radio. He said, I was molested for years by my babysitter. He said, she did everything to me. He said, it started when I was eight. He said, she sucked my penis, she made me do all kind of things to her, and she was a teenager. And he said, I never even thought of it as being molested because, hey, you know, we're taught, get all the girls that you can. He said, but I became the type of man that went after sex at all costs. He said, it was just like an addiction to me. But I was taught it at a young age. And I kept his information because I said, you know, I'm going to interview you one day because I just thought it was just so interesting to have a man call and share that type of information with me. And I have I have people who are on the sex offender registry, and I have men who have molested their daughters and mothers who have molested. I have them reach out to me all the time. So it's interesting getting responses from both individuals. You know, Stephanie, I, I want to ask you this about the prosecution of these women. Now, when a man, and, and the reason I'm saying this is society teaches little boys at a young age, go get the girl, go get the girl. And the father will say, that's my boy. Go get him. That uncle will say, boy, this is what you do. Do this. Oh, that's my boy. Now, when it comes down to their daughter, it's a whole different ball game. They're ready to kill somebody. Somebody is about to die if that happens to their daughter. If a boy says, you know, can I take your daughter out, this, 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 he's not going to say, go ahead, girl, do your thing. He's not going to tell her that. But because it's being portrayed to the kids, to the boys in a good way, do you think that's the reason that the, the, the system, our justice system, do you think that the reason uh, most of these women get lesser sentence than men, do you think that's why? I've never thought about that, but I'm sure it has a great deal to do with it. I'm really I'm really sure about it. You know, it's very rare that you read about women being 
prosecuted for sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. But I have people reach out to me that have been molested by by women. Actually, I share a story in my book about a young girl when I first started speaking in the high schools about a young girl who told me that she was molested by her mother. And she said because of that, it led her to becoming a lesbian. So I I get a lot of people who talk to me about being molested by their mother. I have a good friend who was molested by her mother for years, and her mother made her do everything to her that, you know, a man and a woman would do together. And her mother is no longer living, and still today she she has hate in her heart towards her mom. Mm. People don't think of women as child molesters, but women do molest as well, especially younger girls, because younger girls, they're just sharing their sexual experience with other people. Mm. And I also want to ask you this, too. Now, being five years old and this happened to you at the age of five, what are some of the signs that parents that are out there listening right now and the people that will listen to this show what are some of the signs that will tell that mother, you need to pay attention, you need to intervene, you need to do this, you need to uh, pay close attention to what's going on? Because we have a lot of girls and a lot of women that will marry or bring someone in the house that's really not that child's biological father. Mm-hmm. And and they'll leave that man there with that child or to go to work, and they'll ask him to do certain things. So what are some of the signs that you think uh, a parent needs to pay close attention to when they're dealing with that little girl or they're dealing with that little boy? Let me start with myself. I know as a young child I was very, very friendly. I was always climbing up in someone's lap because I was used to that. So that is something you definitely want to look out for as a parent or caretaker. A child that is very friendly, always kissing and hugging and touching on someone or a child that appears to be the exact opposite. They're afraid of someone. They don't want to go around certain adults. Bedwetting is definitely a sign. I'm not saying just because your child wets the bed they are being molested, but it's definitely a sign. Children who play sexually with toys or they have names for their body parts or their play or they play sexually with other children. And then as you get into older children, and what I mean by that, when you start getting into like nine and twelve, up in that age, you have children who start experimenting with alcohol and promiscuity, something I did at a young age. Children who seem emotionally unstable, they're upset all the time, they're acting out a they're acting out at school, they're fearful, they have sexual or lustful thoughts or just they say things that you know they shouldn't be saying. So there are a number of things, boogeyman, the monsters, you know, when they talk of things like that. Children who have problems going to the bathroom. I know one of my friends, and I and I share this story in my book. One of my friends was being molested, sexually penetrated by an uncle, beginning at the age of six, and she contracted gonorrhea from him at the age of nine. So there was some problems along the way with her going to the bathroom that could have been, you know, that a parent should have picked up on. So those are just some of the signs. There are so many out there, but definitely pay attention when children suddenly have money. Oh, let me let me definitely make sure I bring that up because I remember getting money and gifts. It's like hush money from people who were molesting me. And that's why I understand why prostitutes are usually sexual abuse victims. 
because you're taught that exchange early in life. You're taught to exchange your body for candy, for money, gym shoes, clothes, whatever it may be. So that's definitely something you want to watch out for. And, you know, it's funny you brought that up because that's some of the when, – when you have those pimps out there that are looking for new blood, they typically go after the younger girls. Yes. Because they're so what, – and what they consider easily, you know, easier to, to train and to mold, so to speak, you know, because they give them those incentives. You know, you're 10, 11 years old and somebody comes give, and gives you $500 – and, you know, you're saying, what's this for? And they tell you, well, you know, you just got to do a little whatever, whatever. You see that $500, and, you know, as a kid, you begin thinking about all the stuff you got to, that you could buy. And if you've already been conditioned, through, yeah. you know, through, you know, family experiences or experiences with other youth or whoever, you know, it doesn't seem that bad. You know, especially when you get to ride in a nice car, you know, they take you places, they spend money on you. And then you just you just become conditioned to that. Yes, absolutely. You're right because it's something that you're used to, and especially for those young girls who become prostitutes at a young age that were never sexually penetrated, or it just was a bunch of kissing or fondling because they may think, oh well, that was nothing. If that's all I have to do then okay, I'll do it. And next thing you know, they're on the corner at 15, 16 years old, a prostitute. 96% of all teen prostitutes are sexual abuse victims, 96%. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's another demographic out there, homeless teenagers. Yes. They run away. A lot of them will run away from home because they don't want to be molested anymore, but they don't want to tell either. I had a child recently tell me that she wants to leave home. However, she does not want to get her mother in trouble. So her answer, her solution to her is just to leave. And I want to bring this up because I think this is so important because we've talked about the extreme. I was not the so-called bad kid. I think that's so important to bring up. I was a straight-A student. I was the first person in my family to go to college. To my family and to my friends and to my colleagues at work, I had that perfect life. I was young. I was getting married, and everything seems perfect. I was living another life at night when I was hanging out with my friends. However, a lot of the people that we see around us are hurting and suffering, not just, you know, those in our family who are on drugs or not just the prostitutes or, you know, women who we know who have a lot of children and they're not married, not just those individuals, but it's a lot of women who go to work every day, who are at home with their husbands and cannot be intimate with them, who have the suit and jacket and they have the good jobs, the corporate jobs. Sexual abuse does not have a look. Many of us are affected by it. Millions of people are affected by it. There's no cookie-cut Look for a sexual for a sexual abuse victim. Mm. I tell you what, I don't know if you know this or not, but being a writer, I'm sure you, you you've probably heard about it. Maya Angelou was also a prostitute at the age of 18. Mm. Yes, I've heard some different things about you know her story, and I definitely need to get her autobiography and read up on that. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing happened to Oprah. And yeah. The reason, yeah, and the reason I say that, the reason I'm bringing these people names, is because we talked about people having the ability to overcome this ugly thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're just 
uh, as good an example as Oprah and Maya Angelou. You are walking and living in victory. Was it easy? No. But the three of you made a decision. I'm not going to let what happened to me make me bitter. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to make my life better because I know at some point you guys had to face that brick wall. Am I going to go over it or am I just going to stay at it and just continue to torture myself because of something that happened to me that wasn't even my fault? So that's why I have so much respect for you and the other women and men that have gone through this and it somehow propelled them into a beautiful, beautiful new life because they were able at some point to say, you know what, I'm going to take this thing head on, and now that I am where I am, I can reach back and tell someone I've been there. I've done that. I have the T-shirt to prove that I went through that and I still have the scars. But I'm here to tell you that you can come out of this. And having you on this show tonight is so powerful. I can't tell you how powerful it is for you to let people see and hear that you're walking and living in victory because you have your Adam. A lot of women, they can't. They never will have that because they don't know how to forgive. They don't know how to operate in love. All they see is what's on television, and the television teaches and society teaches the kids and the adults revenge is the best answer to everything. And if we just focus on revenge, then we'll continue to be a society full of hurting and broken people, broken-hearted, broken in spirit. It's not about revenge. It's about healing. It's about helping one another overcome this. And I'm and I'm really happy you brought that up. Living in victory—that's what is so so very important. So very important that we learn to move forward. I ask a lot of people, "What are you looking for?" And sometimes they'll say to me, "I just want him or her to say sorry." And I'll say, "Well, what if they don't? What if they never say I'm sorry?" Because oftentimes they will not. They may call you a liar. Are you going to continue to live in bondage and in, and have that hate and anger and frustration in your life and never live the life of fullness that God has called you to live because that person won't say, I'm sorry? They've moved on with their lives. In some way, now it's time for those who have been abused to move on with their lives. Yes, yes. You know, Stephanie, we have uh, about six minutes left. I want to talk a little bit about um, your book and where we can get it from and also some of the other ventures that you're involved with, with your public relations and the community service that you do, as well as the ministry that you are involved in? Well, my book, it shares my personal testimony. I think that's a key point to bring out because a lot of books just talk about sexual abuse. I actually shared my experience. When it started, the effects it had on my life as a junior high school student, as a high school student, and as a young adult. I talked about being physically abused by the men and what I went through with my husband, not being able to be intimate with him, because I wanted people to see how it just snowballed and how I was able to connect the dots from the past to the present. And then I share some information from other people who have survived sexual abuse, and most importantly, I share how I was able to heal. When individuals close the book, they do not feel sad and depressed. I wanted people to know that it is well with me, that I am happy, that I am healthy, that I am in love, that all is well with me, and they can be too, 
if they make that first step. And so I made sure by the end of the book that individuals will feel encouraged and inspired to move forward. Mm. The book is really, I wrote it for the age group starting at age 13 and up. The title is very strong, yes. I know people say, whoa, the enemy between my legs. Yes, it's very strong, but I did write it for that 13-year-old. On uh, They can find copies on my website, which is www.stephanieljones.com. That's stephanieljones.com. All of the books that are ordered on my website are autographed. Hmm. And I try and get them out within 24 hours unless I'm traveling. My next speaking engagement will be in Chicago. I am in Chicago this coming Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, September the 18th through the 20th. And they can also find the book at a number of major bookstores online at Amazon.com. But, of course, those books are not autographed, but definitely the books on my website are autographed. And I want to say this. I just added an audio link to my website. So they can go on my website and hear the first section of Chapter 1 of the book. I just added that today. Mm, I saw it too. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So... uh, Stephanie, the good thing about tonight's show is there is a solution. There's a solution to that woman or that little boy or that that little girl that's out there that's that's so afraid to come forward and say something or that woman that wants to marry her Adam but she can't because of the things that you said that she's going through now that she's an adult. We have about two minutes left, Stephanie. I want you to tell our people. I want you to give them a solution. And I I kind of believe and know what you're going to say, uh, the power of forgiveness and the power of love. What would you say to someone that needs your help right now? I would tell them first, build a personal relationship with God. I'm not talking about with your pastor. I'm not talking about with the church. Not with the church. I'm talking about getting to know God personally for yourself. That was the beginning for me. Learn to forgive those who abused you. Learn to forgive yourself. That's so important. We talk about forgiveness, but forgiveness of self is also very important. And a lot of people will say, well, I'm trying and I'm praying and I'm going to church, but nothing ever changes. You must also change your environment. There were just certain things that I couldn't do anymore, certain movies I couldn't watch, certain music I couldn't listen to, and a lot of people that I couldn't be around anymore. Mm. Be honest with yourself. Do a self-evaluation. Look inside. Find out what do you need to change about your life. And find someone to talk to who will be encouraging, that will not judge you, that will not judge your family, and move you to action. Mm. Wow. All very powerful words and statements. You know, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean... This show definitely touched me, even at the beginning when you began to talk. It was wow. Because, again, you know, I told you about the little boy that I knew. And he was such a sweet little boy, just nice and quiet. And when you think about what people have, you know, what the person did to him, you know, you can't do anything but your heart just goes out to them. You know, so I just want to thank you personally for what you do to aid in the healing And I want to thank you both, Greg and Brian, for having me on your show tonight. I really, really appreciate it. Yes. Stephanie, I really believe that you not only helped someone else tonight, 
I really believe that you helped yourself tonight as well. Yes, always, always. I just keep growing and keep growing every day. So I thank you again just for the opportunity. Thank you. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Please join us on Wednesday. Our guest will be uh, Tamala Mann from the Tyler Perry Show. Tamala Mann, that's Cora. Uh, that's she on the show. She's Brown's daughter, Cora. Again, thank you so much, Stephanie, for, for coming on and being with us. And we just say to everyone else, God bless. Thank you.